Lord, I pray and ask that as I speak today, the words that come from me are from you. Lord, you've touched me, you've worked with me, Lord, and I just ask that the congregation be aware that there's many things that are going on that are allowing us to miss opportunities. Beloved Lord, we know we need to hasten your soon coming. And if we are not about our Father's business, then Father, who will be? So again, Lord, I just humble myself before thy presence and ask, O oh Lord, that you dwell in me, Jesus. In the Father's name I do pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Elmhurst. Yeah, good morning. It's always a mystery for me when I get to stand before God's people. I always am just amazed why he would use a sinner such as myself. But God has a plan. Yes. And the thing that's always amazing, as we prepare these words, these words prepare us to be better individuals. So not only do the words come today for each one of you, number one, he spoke to me first with them. Missed opportunities. You know, my sermon today really is brought about because of the changes I'm seeing in all environments. You know, in my job, I'm seeing missed opportunities for people who are trying to elevate themselves and move their careers forward. Out in the world, I'm seeing missed opportunities because I'm seeing killings. I'm seeing murders. I'm seeing thievery going on. Missed opportunity because if they had the word of God, they would have something more useful to cling on to instead of losing themselves in the satanic things that they're doing. Missed opportunities in the churches because as I see this in this church, we see a dwindling membership. This is not just something that's here. It's at every church. I speak to other people from different churches and they say things are coming down. They're all wondering why. I understand there's studies being done to figure out what is going on. In my mind, I believe it's missed opportunities because each and every one of us are the witnesses of God. And if we're about our Father's business and we catch each opportunity, many more out there would hear the word of God. And I believe their hearts would soften and they would come this way. You know, years ago, 1997, when they sent me down to Texas, the Lord woke me up. I went down to Texas, I was introduced to the group, and I came home. Stayed home a week, I went back, got organized, started doing my work. The next morning I came in, and there's these sticky notes on my PC. So I'm opening these sticky notes, and it's pray for me, my family, my brother, my job, this situation, that situation. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. They positioned me right next to the manager. So I went over to John. I said, John, I have a question. Whose cubicle was this before I got here? And he goes, Carl, you know this is a brand new organization, man. You're the first to occupy that cubicle. Why are you asking me this? I said, I just, just needed to ask. I'm sorry. I'm good. Went back to my seat. When I sat down, I sat down on another sticky note. This one had my name on it. Carl, can you please? And I sat there, I said, something's going on here that I don't understand. But I said, these sticky notes need to be prayed over. So I said, before I start my day, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to pray over each one of these sticky notes because somebody is calling on me and the Lord has placed me in here. And at the time, I didn't say it, but if I had not have prayed, it would have been a missed opportunity. So I prayed over each and every one of those notes. In my four years being there, I would get occasionally a note from somebody to pray. Now, like I said, I went to the organization I was introduced around for a week. They didn't know me. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know what I stand for. But praise God, the Holy Spirit dwelling in me 
was evident some kind of way. So we don't want to miss opportunities. A few years ago, I was transferred back to San Ramon. And in San Ramon, they, they're very cautious about carpal tunnel syndrome. So every day at 10 and 2, you have to step out of your office into an area and you do exercises to keep yourself flexible. Vera knows what I mean. You feel kind of goofy, but it's, it's a good thing. Um, so we're doing our little exercises, and this lady is whispering to another one of the ladies there. And after a while, you know, you could see her turn all flushed, all pink, and she began to kind of hold back tears. And I was going, hmm, I wonder what's going on. So we continue to do the exercises, and the lady, other lady pats her on the shoulder, and she leaves. So she goes to the copy machine. I go, hey, Karen, are you okay? She goes, yeah, my daughter. She's really sick, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just, I'm just at wit's end. I'm scared to take off work. I'm this, that, and the other. I said, no, 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 no. Understand, company has policy for these things. You need to do what you need to do to take care of your family. They will pay you. You don't have to be alarmed. I said, we'll talk to our big boss, and we'll straighten that up. But the Lord said, you need to pray for her now. So I told her, do you mind if I pray for you? And let me tell you, the spirit of the Holy Ghost moved in a manner that she felt and I felt. You know, you close your eyes and you're praying. When you close your eyes, you're in darkness. If you ever close your eyes and look up at the sun, how it turns red, we're praying and everything is dark and I'm holding her hands and I begin to see red. And I didn't want to open my eyes because I said, I'm seeing red, so things are being illuminated where I'm standing. Something's going on here. I continued to pray. She began to shake. I continued to pray and we finished. And she just kind of almost collapsed. And I said, darling, you okay? She goes, oh my God, everything is going to be okay. I said, Jesus is in control. Understand, all we did was pray. Your responsibility now is to keep on praying for your daughter. I had nothing to do with this. All I did was make myself available to lift you up in prayer. There's no power in Carl. All the power is in Jesus. Took her back to her room. I went and talked to her supervisor. She went and talked to her. She got her time off. Her daughter was fine. Prayer is something else. But again, if I would have hardened my heart and been like, she okay, missed opportunity. We never know what God is going to do if we step up to the plate and accept an opportunity. Thursday, I was at work. We have a gentleman who's been transferred in. He's been on the East Coast his entire life. Years ago, I know him very well, and I told him when he first came, I said, Roy, I know how you feel, man. When they dragged me off to Houston, it was a traumatic experience. But I said, you know what? It worked. I was blessed. And I said, the wonderful thing is he returned me back. So I said, never give up hope, man. Do what you got to do. And he thanked me for those words. But Thursday, and I, I don't know, I don't really, I know Roy in terms of work, but in terms of outside of that, I know he's got a couple of kids and a wife, and that's it. He was on the phone talking business, and Roy is a very loud person, so I closed my door so I could do my work. So I opened my door back up, and I heard him going, it's okay. We know this is going to work, because I saw fingerprints. And I know there's hope, so honey, just hold on, it's gonna be okay. The fingerprints, when we sold the house, immediately we moved, let me know that things is gonna be all right. My spiritual antenna went up and I said, uh-oh, Roy's a Christian, praise God. Because it's me, then it's Henry, and now it's Roy. Henry is another young man. He's 25 years old, Christian, trying to grow in the world, try, trying to grow in grace and understand what God wants him to do. 
I went past Roy's office. I said, hey, Roy, you okay? He goes, yeah, yeah. I said, look, man, all I'm going to say is say this. I'm going to pray for you. And he just looked at me with this look. And I said, it's going to be okay, man. I'm going to pray for you and your family. And I whirled on down the hallway and went home. Another opportunity. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a word. He knows that I know. He knows that I am. He knows that he is. And we're going to pray. And things is going to be okay for Roy. Because it's a traumatic experience to drag your family who's been in one place all their lives, his children, wife, leaving their family, leaving their friends, and coming here. It's rough on Roy. But Roy had to do what he had to do because, you know, we got to make that money. God is good to give us those jobs. But these moves that are offered by the company, for me, I've learned if you're a Christian, it's a spiritual move. You may think it's because the company needs you, but every time I've seen it happen, if you're a Christian, you're being moved to a location for you to have a new spiritual area in which for you to plant seeds and help people grow. So I, now that I know who Roy is, I'll be leaning on him to give me some more to rock. Amen? But missed opportunities. We have to take advantage of these opportunities of all time because it's so very important. So very important. And we have to realize that these opportunities are outside of the church as well as inside the church. And I mean, we all know that we're all here, we're all growing, we're all moving forward, but there's opportunities inside the church as well as outside to do those same things to encourage and not discourage. Amen? Our scripture this morning, I'm going to read it in, in uh, God's word. It's a different translation. It says, continue to love each other. Don't forget to show hospitality to believers. You hear that? To believers you don't know. By doing this, some believers have shown hospitality to angels without them being aware. Remember those in prison as if you were in prison with them. That's a big statement because many of us are imprisoned in many different ways. Some are incarcerated. Some are imprisoned to caffeine, to cigarettes, to dope, to, to pornography. Whatever it is that you are imprisoned in, we need to have a like-minded, wow, I could be imprisoned in that also because then you have empathy for them and you understand and there's not anybody walking this earth who's not in prison on something or more than just one item. Amen? Remember those who are mistreated as if you are being mistreated. And let me tell you, in life, I know that I have mistreated some people. Amen? Probably still mistreating them. But I said, when I understand that, it makes me think I need to change my ways. I need to be more cognizant of my behavior so I don't mistreat people. The other day, you know, I'm in the, in the credit union. The credit union send you these little envelopes to having this car sale. We always get these little keys and it's like, win a Mercedes, win a BMW, win something. I throw them in the garbage. My wife is like, uh-uh, we gotta go. Whatever. We go down to the car lot. I don't know how many, we've been 50 times. She puts the key in there and of course it never works. I'm like, can we go now? <sighs> well, I have all the other ones, you know, because Danny's a, a member, I'm a member. Everybody gets a key, so she goes in and she's sticking them keys in. Never hits anything. You know I'm a car person. I'm like, well, we'll just look around and see what's going on. We're looking at cars the other, other day, week, week, week ago. And I'm looking at this vehicle, and I'm like, of course, the sales guy comes up, and I'm like, look, man, I'm not, in the, I'm not trying to buy nothing. I'm just wasting some time. My wife is trying to win the car. I'm not going to happen. I'm just looking, okay? So I'm really not a prospect, okay? All right, all right, that's fine. So he's following you around, and we're looking at stuff. And then Diane goes, well, you know, he says that, but I'm thinking about we might need to get another car. I was like, okay. Now, we, we had talked. 
but I didn't think this was the time and the place. But I'm like, all right, we cool. So she asked him about the vehicle that she's interested in. He goes, okay, we can get that. He goes, now you understand that we're auto so-and-so, we're the largest in all of the, all of the Bay Area, blah, blah, blah. We have 250 stores all over, the, all over the, the United States. We can get anything you want, blah, blah, blah. So just tell me what it is and what you want to pay and I'll get it. I said, you know, my man, there's more things than just the vehicle. One of the important things is the dealership, how they can take care of the vehicle. Those things are more important to me than just the price because I don't want to buy no lemon. I said, I know too many people who've been burned. And I said, so you may be able to get me a good price and maybe you have a good dealership, but if he ain't right here where I can get to him, I'm really not interested. Well, see, you don't understand what you're missing. Let's sit down, let me help you to understand what I can do for you. I said, you know what? I think our conversation is over right now. And I said, I don't want to be rude to you, but the bottom line is, I don't think that we can do business. My wife's like, what are you? I said, baby, it's, just, it's the fact. I can't do business with this man because he needs to make me understand. The bottom line is, he doesn't have what I need. It doesn't meet my requirements. And the way he's coming across to me, I think it's best we just cease our conversation, keep on moving, and everything is wonderful. It's not a problem. And so, you know, we were talking a little bit more, and he just baited, was a little blunt. If you want to be an idiot and waste your money, that's your problem. I said, you know the wonderful thing about me being an idiot? I have what you need. That's my money. I don't need a car. She wants a car. So I said, I have what you need. You don't have what I need. Because I said, you see what I'm rolling? I'm fine. So I said, I'll just be an idiot and keep my money. And I said, it's no problem in that. So you have a good day, man, and we're done. So I mean, in the old days, <laughs> things might have went a little to the left. You know what I'm saying? But nowadays, it's like, I'm good. Because I learned in the end, Jesus always wins. And the bottom line is, you know, I can't allow Satan to try to trick me up to get me to do something that's going to make me not represent Jesus. And I mean, sometimes you have to say what you got to say, but it is how you say it. So again, it's about mistreatment. Marriage is honorable in every way. So husbands and wives should be faithful to one another. God will judge those who commit sexual sins, especially those who commit adultery. There was an old song record I used to listen to when I was a little tiny boy called It Takes Two to Tango. I used to play that record every day, all the time. They hid it from me, I'd find it. I couldn't even read, but I knew what it looked like. Two to tango, and that's what it takes in adultery and the fornicate, it takes two to tango. So understand, men, women, we're all guilty if we go that route, and God is gonna punish us, amen? It tells us to don't love money. Be happy with what you have, and a song says, be happy with what you have and what you have left, because God has said, I will never abandon you or leave you. So we can be confident saying, the Lord is my helper. And this is the key. We need to understand that the Lord is our helper. I will not be afraid. What can a mortal man do to me? Absolutely nothing. Amen. Absolutely nothing. As you walk this Christian journey, when you're connected to Christ, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now you may take a few hits, you may get a few bruises, but they cannot harm you in any way because your Lord has you covered with his veil of safety. Amen? Remember your leaders who have spoken God's words to you. Think about how their lives turned out and imitate their faith. That was a very interesting statement because, I mean, 
Our leaders are speaking to us. In a sense, today, I'm one of the leaders speaking to you about the Lord. You're going to look at my life now, but the key that's going to really make it work for you is when I'm laying, well, I won't be laying here, but because I have other plans, but if I was laying there, you would begin to think about who Carl was, what he stood for. Then you begin to see the action of my faith from the time you knew me till the time I went to sleep. You will be able to evaluate if I was right or wrong. But the key thing is going to be when you get in the kingdom and you open those books. Don't be surprised. Anyway, the key is when we look at those things, then we begin to understand the faith by which people move forward. I think of many of the elders who have left here that mentored me and brought me to this place that I'm at. When I think back over their lives and what I see, I understand that they're not sinless. They're not perfect. But understand when I see how their faith took them through all those trials and tribulations of life that I'm yet going through. How when they got sick, they never let go of the hand of God. They remained faithful. They didn't question him, why me? Why have I got this cancer? Why did I fall? What happened? They didn't, they just stayed steadfast to the end. Some of them had problems where they couldn't speak. But they would, you would read a scripture and it was like you could see them going with the scripture because they never let go of God. Amen? They didn't miss an opportunity to stay connected with Jesus all the way through. So again, it will show you. And then you want to imitate their faith. It didn't say imitate their lives. It said imitate their faith. Christ Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to change. Understand? So even though some out there preaching these things, understand God never changes. What he did for your mama, your mama's mama, your grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, he'll do for you. He's still doing the same things today. Nothing has changed. I want to kind of go into that a little bit more and break it down. And I, I use a lot of study pieces. But let brotherly love continue in you and among you. Now I want us to understand we as Seventh-day Adventists, we're not just a church. We are a movement, amen? A movement of Christians that are moving forward towards the kingdom. Make sure you understand that. It's very important that we understand that we are a movement. And so we must love mankind. And not just those in other Seventh-day Adventist churches, but we have to love those who say they love the Lord. Amen? We have to love those who may not even yet know the Lord. We have to love those that we be thinking, mm, ain't no Jesus in that boy. He done done this, he done done that. If you think back over your history, somebody might have said that about you. And look at you now. Jesus never gave up hope on anybody. When he hung on that cross and gave his life and they pierced him in the side, he did it for everybody. And remember, there's no degree of sin. Sin is sin. It is transgression of the law, and it stands that way. So I don't care if you steal a penny or you kill a person, it's sin in God's mind. Amen? We cannot judge. So we have to continue to embrace them. So in John 10, 16 says, and there are other sheep I have which are not of this fold. So when we look at those other churches, we have to and love them, encourage them, be with them. Don't get in arguments and stuff, but love them. And then in, in the church, you know, many come in here and we thinking, hmm, this brother got a long way to go. He's still doing this. Man, that smells like bourbon. How you know what bourbon smell like? Think what I'm saying? I think that brother been smoking some herb. How you know what herbs smell like? So I mean, you know, we have to, the wheats and the tares will grow together. That's right. But if we are 
looking for opportunities, we won't point out, we'll nurture. When you nurture, things disappear. I talked to a brother the other day, he's telling me he's trying to overcome the cigarette habit. Wants to come to church, I said, man, God says come as you are. I said, understand, Brother Cartier don't have a heaven to put you in, but I can help you get to hell. I said, my recommendation to you, if you want to overcome that habit, you need to come to church because there's power in the Holy Spirit. I said, everybody that sits in Elmhurst that went through something might be more dramatic than a cigarette, but we are all overcomers. I said, and understand that we still overcoming some other stuff, but I know for sure if you come in, you will be blessed and the Lord will take care of your situation because he's taking care of mine in many ways. All that junk, in, nah, I still got junk in my trunk, understand, but my load is lighter now. I'm able to move a little quicker than I used to. And I'm trying to stay on that righteous track so I can get to the kingdom. Amen? So again, the wheat and the tares will grow together. It's up to him to separate them, not to us. So we understand that we're all made in his image. He died on the cross for us. And we understand that we're all saved by his grace. So what we need to do is love one another no matter what is going on. Regardless of your standing in Christ, and you many of us think we've been standing there for a long way. We didn't read everything, know everything. We think we got it down pat. But it doesn't matter if you just start in a journey or you've been on the journey. And even if they haven't even found the pathway to get on the journey, it's all about loving them because Christ gave his life for all of us. One thing I love about grace, grace is universal. Yes, it is. I said grace is universal. It reaches everybody. You can't be in a corner where grace ain't going to touch you. Amen. It's like light. It's going to illuminate everything. And that's what I love about grace. And it's there. All we got to do is reach out and get it. So we who claim to be believers, we need to be fervent. We need to be diligent as Christ loved us. We must be genuine in how we love others. Sometimes I think there's not a genuineness to us. We just do it because, oh, yeah, well, it's the right thing to do. I'm going to love him. But, you know, people can tell, as I used to say, when you fake in the funk, you got to be for real because people can feel that genuineness in you. And when they feel that, they're drawn to you. They know they can trust you. They know that they can tell you things that they wouldn't necessarily tell somebody else. Closer than a brother, right? So you want to be genuine when you express love for other folks. And yes, it can be a little difficult. And we know at times, as we go through this Christian journey, there's been some folks out in Hug that's been out there on the block for a long time that may not have the best cologne on. But you know what? I realize the only thing that separates them from me is Jesus. It could flip the script at any time and I could be out there. I talked to some homeless folks. I was, I was amazed. You got a bachelor's degree in what? Oh my God, a master's degree in what? You used to do what? All it takes is just a flip of the circumstances. And any one of us who are sitting comfortable could be out there in the same situation. People I know who've retired, invested their money, gone. They trying to get a job at Kmart to make it. I'm looking down the road going, oh my goodness, could be me. Let me start gearing myself up so I can get a job when I leave a job, because I just don't know what's going to happen. But one thing I know is my bread and water is secure. Jesus is going to take care of me. All this is going to burn up anyway. I like a little bit more than cardboard over me, but hey, if that's what I got to deal with to get in the kingdom, bring that cardboard on. So again, we need to show them that we love them by praying for them and with them. Stop and pray for people. Ain't no problem in that. People will accept prayer. You'd be amazed. Now, I mean, if they're hungry, feed them. Amen. Take care of them. Amen. 
If they need clothes, hook them up. After you've taken care of them, would you mind if I pray for you? Don't pray first. Take care of the need because actions speak louder than words. But they say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. Amen? So we got we to gotta do these things. But again, we have to um, pray for them, show them that we love them. We got to bear one another's burdens. So take a minute, listen to what they've gone through, talk to them. They're not just a piece of wood, they're a human being who have a history. And you'd be amazed how close your history is with them. When you listen and ask questions, it's like, oh my goodness. We have to continue to work with them, forgiving them, because you know, somebody's got to forgive you. Bearing one another's burdens and forgiving one another, admonishing them to love one another and admonishing them in the word of God, amen? We need to build each other up, esteem others higher than you esteem yourself is what we need to do. And when we do that, we encourage the saints. And when we do that, we're speaking words and deeds and we're representing Christ. If that's who we claim to follow, we have to promote that positiveness to everyone we see. One thing I've seen is a profession of religion is seen. I learned that when I went to Houston. It don't matter how much I call myself a Christian, if they don't see it, well, something wrong with that. Amen. If I got to tell you, oh, I'm a seven-day Adventist, oh, I go to church, that shouldn't have to happen. They should see it, feel it, and know it. When you step into the room, your presence should be there. They should know there's something different going on about this, this person. Amen? So a professional religion is seen. It's not always heard. If we do show, I mean, if we do not show the characteristics and character of Christ, then the question is, of course, who are we? We're nobody. We must provide evidence of who you claim to be. We must have a connection with others just like we have with Christ. You understand that? You have that vertical. Your horizontal connection should be just as tight. Amen? No matter if you care for that person's personality, I'm going to put it that way because we all love one another, but sometimes the personalities get in the way. But you know what I've learned about personalities? I've seen people where it's just, ooh, they're driving me crazy. I don't get it. But almost, I sit back and I observe them with somebody else, and they can have a wonderful time. I can get along with that person who's getting along with them, and it's like, what's something, something's not right. What's up with that? Then I learn Satan doesn't want me to have a relationship with that person because it could be a saving relationship. Check it out. Not for them. Maybe it's for me. See, I can't be on the selfish side thinking, oh, I got something they need. No, they may have something I need. So how can I bridge this gap? I try to bridge that divide so we can get together so I can see what's going on and see what's God got in this for us, not me, us, so that we can grow together and I don't want to miss an opportunity. So we need to edify one another and we need to stop criticizing. Amen. We got to stop criticizing others in the name of the Lord. Amen. Our constructive criticism is sometimes destructive. We just need to learn if you got to say something sometime, the best advice to give is none at all. Be careful little lips what you say, you understand? What you hear, we need to throttle it back and understand Christ is in control, not me. So again, when we don't show these things, we're showing another kind of behavior, and that behavior is not of the Lord, amen? There was a serpent that showed that behavior. Satan was kicked out of heaven with that behavior. So we have to always make sure our behavior reflects the character of Christ in all things that we do, amen? So I mean, when we look at this, we just look at John 13, 34, a new commandment I have given you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must, I like that term, must, 
That's like a command, you understand this? This ain't no, I would like you to. You must love one another, amen? So we're talking about missed opportunities. When I look at people and I look at myself, it's like we're all wandering. We're trying to make our way towards something. Sometimes we think it's Jesus, sometimes we're not really sure what we're looking for. Even though we claim I'm looking for the Lord, but in our wanderings we seem to wander further away from him than closer to him. If you're looking for the Lord, you know where he's at. He's right here in his church every day. He's in whatever church you know. If you're looking for him, you should go to a church and look for him there. You should look for him in all things that are going on. You should pray, and even if you don't know how to pray, ask him. Where, where are you? What am I here for? What's my purpose in life? So, I mean, we're just kind of wandering. Oftentimes, we're drifting in this fog of uncertainty. Even those of us who say, okay, I know I'm, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm going here, I'm getting to the kingdom. Even then, we're in this fog of uncertainty, not really understanding what we're doing. So we're lost in darkness because we don't have a real clean decision. And oftentimes, we change directions at any moment. It's like, what's that ping pong game? And balls are bouncing all over the place, don't know where it's going. Things are messed up because we're lost. So the question, like I say, is we have to understand what we're looking for. Most of, in here, most of us in here would say we're looking for Jesus. This is where we're locked on to. This is where we're going. We're going to make it. So if your answer is Jesus, then you know which way you should be going. But if your answer is not Jesus and you're not sure, these are the ones who are searching for something. They're wondering what's missing in my life. I just had a gentleman that we're, we're doing a little, we're talking about a pre-study. He's going, I got a hole in my life. I don't know what it is. I'm missing something. And I told him, I said, man, I'm going to just tell you what that is. You're missing God. Well. That's all it is. You're just missing the Lord, man, because you're a good person. You're a Christian by definition. You just need God, and then you'd be all put together. And he said, that's interesting. I'm going to have to think about that. And I said, well, you think, I'm going to pray. Because I said, that's what it takes. Somebody got to be in there pushing it. And I said, I'm going to push it from the top, and I'm going to ask the Lord to touch you to help you to see that this is the gap in your life. But I said, anytime you want to rap, just let me know. So anyway, what we need to do is we just need to put the word in their pathway. Psalms 119.105 says, the, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They're just in that darkness because nobody has come along and illuminated their pathway. So in the new millennium today, what I've seen, what I see in each one of you, you guys are the new navigation systems. You understand me? You're the new navigation systems. You're plugged into the power of Jesus Christ and you are there to give direction and instruction how to get to the kingdom. That's what we're here to do. And it's just amazing, but we keep missing these opportunities. But now how do you help others navigate to the kingdom when it seems like we ourselves are putting detours in their direction? We're actually digging potholes so they hit them. We're putting them up against one-way streets and the wrong way. I don't understand how we continue to make these mistakes when we say we're children of the king. And if you think about it, most of us have misdirected some traffic some kind of way in trying to help people to get to the kingdom, amen? So we need to correct that because again, you're a navigation system designed to help people get to the kingdom. Just like top-end systems, when there's an accident, it flags you and changes your route automatically. 
You'd be like, good, I don't have to be caught up in that wreck. That's what we're supposed to do. Help them to avoid pitholes and problems so their way is smooth so they can get to know the Lord. And as they get tough, they'll be able to deal with these issues and problems that we do. But right now, our goal is to navigate them to the truth and make it as quick and as clean and as simple as possible. So we need to understand something's going on that's not making these things work. So I think that we're creating roadblocks and we, we, can't even, we can't redirect them because we're causing those problems. So I think what's happening, we as Christians, we're broken, we're a broken navigation system. We're not understanding what our objective is, is to help them to get where they need to go. Now what I did, I listed a few things to kind of show if you're broken or if you need to do a few tune-up. So, and what I'm gonna call these is, Basically, when we can't direct people, even though we claim to be Christ, of Christ-centered, Christ-driven, basically we are a Christian in conflict. Amen? Amen? A Christian in conflict does not want to fully align with the Word of God, and therefore Satan can get a hold of you and make you do things that you want to do. You understand what I'm saying? He can't make you do nothing. You want to do it. So either this person's growing in grace and you a little mad because, man, he know more about the Bible than I do. Well, I'm going to trick him up. We do these things subconsciously. But again, I think these are Christians in conflicts. Now, here's how you can tell if you're a Christian in conflict. If you have any of these behaviors, you need to sit down and you need to talk to the Lord and you need to pray. So a Christian in conflict shows it by our actions. In the words we speak. In how we act when alone. Remember, he sees you in your home, in your den, in your closet, wherever you are. He sees you in your car. He knows what you're reading. He knows what you're listening to. He knows what you're watching on the Internet. He knows everything. So if there's some things going on in there, you could be a Christian in conflict. Amen? In the criticism we give, sometimes we call criticism, baby, let me give you some counsel. Let me tell you a little something. So we want to watch those things and rush in others in their growth. Didn't nobody rush you, right? You took it as God took it one step, one moment, one day at a time. He cleansed you. It wasn't up to me to say, oh, I know what problem you got. We need to work on that. God deals with that, not me. All we do is assist him by loving one another. When they say, Carl, I'm trying to find so-and-so in the book. Oh, let's, let's look that up. They'll call on you. You take care of it. If you find something you find that just moves your soul, you share it. But you don't beat them over the head with it. So in our faithlessness, and what that means is we stepping in to help God do something instead of letting God handle it himself. You don't have no faith if you step in to fix it. God got it. Just wait and marvel at how he works. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to just observe. In our absence, not being there for others. In our selfishness, in our lack of praying for others, in our study, not to improve somebody else, but to improve me. Study to show thyself approved. Not, some, not study to go help somebody else. If you help you, then you can help somebody else through your experience. Amen? In our treatment of others, some of us ain't very forgiving. Somebody did something to you 30 years ago. You ain't forgot it yet. You ain't let go of it. Still looking at them sideways. This Negro, he think he cool now. Look at him. I remember... We got to let it go. Let it go. It's got to be gone because it's keeping you out of the kingdom. He gone. She gone. She going to make it. You holding that bag of trash. It's like you the one ain't going to get there. They're going to open the books of life and go, what? 
He was still mad at that happened when I was 15. It's like we got to get ourselves pulled together. In our anger, in our enviousness, in our lack of a testimony. I say lack of a testimony because now I hear less and less Christians, they testifying in church. Testifying in church is a beautiful thing. It encourages the saints. But there's saints out there yet to be discovered. They need to hear what God is doing for you. Because they may not get it anyplace else. They don't have to get a scripture. They, you know what? The Lord blessed me. Let me tell you what he did. You share that testimony. At work, we call it the 10-minute elevator speech. You should have something ready to say about your job and what he's done for you and be able to say it in 10 minutes. Practice it in the mirror. What has he done for you this week? Let me see. 10 minutes, you should be able to get that testimony, shake a hand, and be out of there. People will be like, wow, that was deep, because you always want to leave them hanging. And they will come back and go, you know, you, you said something. So, I mean, in our lack of testimony, Romans uh, 1, 16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but I think we are now ashamed to be called Christians on the block. We hide it. If there's religious, any religious uh, material in people's desks now, I see it's gone at work. It's under the desk, it's here and there. We need to let people know who we are. You can't be ashamed of Christ. He's the one who's powered you up and get you going. So if you have any of those characteristics, I want you to do a little prayer thing, all right? Talk to the Lord about these things. And I know the intent of Christians is to be good Christians. That's our goal, to help people. But I think sometimes it looks like we go into a temporary insanity situation. We lose our mind temporarily. And you know, when I was a kid, I used to like the twilight zone. We have temporarily taken control of your TV set. Well, I think Satan is temporarily taking control of our minds. And when he does that, he takes a hot Christian and he moves you into a lukewarm category. When you're a lukewarm Christian, Revelation 3.15 tells you that the Lord will spew you out of his mouth. He wants you to be hot or cold. If you're a cold Christian, uh, cold, we know what's going on. But when you're lukewarm, you're the worst enemy of Christ you can be. Because not only are you missing opportunities, you're messing up opportunities for other people because of your, we don't say temporary insanity, amen? So we need to make sure that we get control of these things. How do I get back out of temporary insanity? How do I get myself back from being a conflicted Christian? We need to reclaim our sanity from all these things. So you know what I love? I love our hymnal. I love this hymnal. I bought it online just so I could have it. Because I always look at the songs, I look at the titles, when I need encouragement. Sometimes a scripture is good, but sometimes I just look at a song. You know, I love the brother last week that talked about setting things to music. Well, I just read that, and you can be reading it, and all of a sudden you're reading it in the, in the same rhythm that the song was written in, and you're just reading it. And it's like, it just lifts your heart. But here's some ideas for you to kind of look through. And I want you to turn in your hymnal to 369, because that's the last one I'm going to mention. But sometimes as we go through life, we're in these storms of life. So 528 says we need to find a shelter in a time of storm. When you're in that shelter and everything is passed over, 503 says you're going to now have a quiet place. When you're in that quiet place, you begin to contemplate. He's past the storm. I'm in this quiet place. You begin to realize at 468, I'm a child of the king. Once you realize that, all that thrills my soul begins to happen. That's 189. Then you begin to go, well, I got peace, I surrendered, I'm a child of the king, now 309, I can surrender all. When you surrender all, you know that because, 526, because he lives. And then you go back and you say, okay, he lives, surrendered, all my thrill, my, my, all thrills my soul, I'm a child of the king, I have this quiet place and now I got a shelter, 
That means 476, all my burdens have been lifted at Calvary. I'm free to operate. Then once those things are gone, then you know he can 258, he can baptize me anew now. And now, 685 says, he causes me to hear. Because many times that's the problem with us. We don't hear him. But when you go through these songs and you understand what they're saying, now you can stop and you can hear him. Then all of a sudden you realize 311, I would be like Jesus. Then you go 201, mm, you know, Jesus is coming again. He's coming. And you realize if he's coming, I want to be like him. I want to hear him. He's baptized me. He's lifted my burdens. He, because he's living, I'm surrendering all. What I want to do is I want a 206. I want to see him face to face. Amen. Now, the thing is, we occupy this space here. The last thing that we need to be doing is, what does 369 say? What's the title? It's time for us to go to work. Amen? Amen. So, I mean, if you go through them songs, they didn't got you ready. They didn't help you regain your, your, your sanity. You're no longer conflicted. Now you know what your job is because you see all the blessings he's given you. It's like, I need to be about my father's presence. I need to be bringing in those sheaves. Amen? So, I mean, see, that's why I love the songs, the titles. There's a whole sermon in just reading the titles. So just read those titles, pick up those songs, and lift yourself up. Let God work with you. Amen? It's so easy. It's so simple. You know, Romans 1.25. Now, this is a little tricky. I think everybody needs to, at your time, read Romans 1, chapter 1. But it says in Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth. This is NIV. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Now, we see that all the time. We see that all the time. They're exchanging things and they're worshiping this, that, and the other instead of worshiping God. Well, I think sometimes... Nothing's new under the sun. This has been going on for years and years and years. Sometimes we exchange his truth for what we think is true. We just exchange truth for a lie. And we give this counsel to somebody. And people are more apt to believe a lie than the truth. But they're looking at you. Well, this is a good Christian. He went, I know he knows what he's doing. Look at him. He's a, you done misdirected traffic. You a broken navigation system. And again, you are a Christian in conflict. And you done missed an opportunity. Amen? So again, the other thing is, sometimes we, what we think he wants us to do. So we see a person going through something and we just, we reason it out in our mind. The Lord told me to go do this. And we approach him. We ain't prayed. The spirit ain't moved. You don't even know him good enough to, the information you want to tell him. Sometimes you got to have a relationship before you go blurting out certain things. If you ain't got a relationship, you find somebody who has one. Or, I say, let the Holy Spirit work. He'll take care of it. My job is to encourage, to love, and to handle things to make you feel better. Not to get in your way or think that I know everything. I know what this brother needs. No. So again, we don't want to do what we think he wants us to do, because that's a lie. And now, I'm going to put it this way. In our excitement to help people, we harm people. We hurt people. Sometime in the way we're, in, in, in a way now, in a way, we're paying homage to our own self. Amen? Again, you know, we're worshiping false gods. Sometime because we know all these things and we think we can help them, we're giving ourselves homage because in our own self-righteousness, we think we're self-righteous, we think we learn these things, but the knowledge that we gained was not necessarily for them. God gave it to fix you. And we want to project it on somebody else. But the thing is, that may not be for them. So that's why we can't do what we 
we think he wants us to do. We can't say what he thinks he wants us to say. We need to make sure that the Spirit moves you. Because when he moves you, the words that come out your mouth are no longer yours. It'll be said in a manner that is sweet to their ear and they, it's palatable. They can, they can take it, they can use it, and they can do something with it. But when you move under your own power, your navigation system is busted. It's shot, it's messed up, and it's just nothing but a problem, amen? So again, we have to be careful about we go about our Father's business. You know, we don't want to point, we need to point others to the Father, amen? That's our job. But we need to do so. We need to make sure that we have submitted ourselves to Christ 100%. We need to remember all his teachings so we grow personally. You know, sometime, you know, have you ever had a flashback? I say I have spiritual flashbacks. I read something, thought I had it, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, bing. Let me read that again. All these years, I thought it said that, but it says this. You ain't ever had a spiritual flashback? Blows my mind. It's like, I don't know what happened. How did I get that all twisted up? But I guess, you know, like they say, the Lord will reveal things to you in time. So all of a sudden, you had that spiritual flashback. That's why some things that you think you know, it ain't necessarily good for you to go out there telling somebody. You need to let them discover. Have you studied that in the Bible? You know what you might want to look at is, look in the book of Romans. Look in, don't tell them exactly your scripture because that may not be their scripture, amen? amen? They ain't going through the same thing you went through. They're going through something else. They don't have the same exact set of circumstances that you had. They're dealing with something else. And nobody ever reveals to you everything that's going on. So we need to be careful about how we direct them, amen? So again, we need to do as he commands. So if he ain't commanded you to do it, then don't do it. And we need to never take Jesus for granted. Sometimes I think we just take him for granted and we carry him around in our pocket. When we need him, we pull him out. No, we can't take him for granted. We need to lean not to our own understanding. We need to be in the spirit every day, every hour, every minute, and every second. And we need to let the comforter, the Holy Ghost, lead us in all things. We must allow Jesus to control our every thought, our every deed, our every move, everything. Everything, every millisecond, we need to be under his control. Now, I know, you know, we humans, we humans, we be going through some stuff, amen. But again, as much as we can let him in, we need to let him in. And before you move to say something or do something, you need to pray, Lord, give me the sign. What do you want me to do? Don't move under your own horsepower. You can go cut your grass, you can paint your house, but on spiritual things, you need to get that connection to make sure this is what he wants to do, amen. Because you don't want to miss an opportunity, but you don't want to mess one up either. Amen? Because we conflicted Christians. We got problems. We humans going through this crazy stuff, but we don't want to mess up anybody. Because I'm looking for a crown. Amen? I don't wear no hats here, but I'm going to wear a hat in heaven, okay? I'm going to be ready. Plus, I probably need one later on. But, so again, one of the biggest things, we're going to go to James 3, chapter 1. Through 10. We're going to point out a few things. Because like I say, we must allow Jesus to control our every thought, our every deed. But the other thing we need to really make sure we do is we need to have Jesus bridle our tongue. Amen? Amen? Because the tongue, you can act it. It may be not be, be felt. They can see you do something and they can misconstrue it. But when you say it, it's hardcore. It's straight to the heart. Amen? So I'm going to read this in the NIV. It says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brother, 
because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Right there, that should make you nervous. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his bold body in check. Now you know that's, that's a goal. I ain't been able to check half my stuff. But I said, man, that, that should wake us up. Teachers, be judged more strictly. We stumble in all ways. Never at fault. That's a perfect man. I'm going to get there when I get in the kingdom. I'm going to jump down to verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. We've been seeing all these fires. If you think about it, they ain't going there with a blowtorch. One spark can set a whole fire ablaze, and we lose acres and acres and acres of foliage. The tongue, the tongue. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole, person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. Tongue is an awful little joker, huh? Don't seem like nothing but a little piece of flesh to keep your food in and help you to talk. But it be creating all kinds of mess, amen? So again, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, are all tamed or have been tamed by man. Eight says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Verse nine, now this should make you contemplate. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men. How can we praise and curse folks at the same time using the same vocal port? It don't make no sense. You're supposed to be a Christian heading to the kingdom. How can you do that? You can come in and praise them all, lift us up and praise all God, but you Negro. And I'm using a nice vernacular. We need to get it together, amen? So how can we do that with tongues we praise and then we curse? Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and my sisters, this should not be. But I mean, the question you need to ask yourself is, am I still doing this? Am I still doing this? The goal is for us to not do that any longer. We have to overcome this. I mean, we, we know that we've got to change. Roman tells us, again, we just read it earlier, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. We must remember that he came so that no one would be lost. He says in John 10, 14 through 16, I am the good shepherd. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I am the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Talking about conflict with other folks and other religions. In the end, God's going to call us all out into one. Amen? So how can I be in conflict and be arguing and fighting with you? But in the end, we know he's going to bring all this together. I want to sweeten my relationship with everybody who is a believer of God. When you have a sweet relationship, understand now you have an opportunity to offer correction. As you're discussing something, it's like, well, that's interesting. I don't see it that way. Let's turn and see what the Word of God. Show me that in the Bible. That's my thing now. Okay, I don't get that, man. You got to help me out because I'm not the brightest, brightest, you know, bulb in the, in the box. Show me that in the Bible so I can get it. 
oh yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm, do it now. Here's my Bible, show it. Let's look it up on the web, show it to me so I get it, because I don't want to be lost. If you can't find it now, email it to me. Two weeks later, yo, bro, what happened? You gonna email me that stuff or what, man? I'm trying to get this. I did on my own study and I couldn't find, man, I couldn't find it. I'm cool, I'm cool. Well, look, man, I found some stuff. Let me pop it over to you. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, send it to me. Who won? Jesus won. All we want to do is get the information before them. If they gave me the information, I know it's twisted. All I got to do is study and ask the Holy Ghost to help me to correct this and be in a, in a sweet manner in which we can discuss this in a spiritual way. And the next thing you know, we have, we have created an opportunity. We didn't miss it. And God will be glorified, not through what I did, but through him controlling my insanity and my conflicted Christianness. Amen? So we just got to pull this together. The other thing is we think through that, you know, as we're on our way to the kingdom, it's very important that we do not misrepresent our Lord. Amen? We don't want to miss no opportunity. Jesus did not miss an opportunity. Amen? He would stop in the field. He would pray with folks. He would work miracles. He never missed an opportunity. And it didn't matter who you were, what you did, or, or what you were going through. He was there for you. And in the end, he'd tell you to go and sin no more. Amen? Now, I can't tell you to go and sin no more, but I can tell you to keep on holding on to Jesus. And if you get weak, holler at me. Hit me on the email. Ping me. Call me. Whatever we got to do, we can pray about it. You don't even have to tell me what you're going through because that ain't my business. My business is to encourage you as Jesus has encouraged me. So, I mean, you know, I get pings and calls now. It's like, hey, man, I'm going through a little something, something. Can you, let's pray, man. Let's pray. And sometimes it's just having somebody you can connect with. You know right and wrong. The Holy Spirit leads and guides you to all truth. All you need is somebody to know to just bump you up against. It's like, I got this. I know what I should be doing. So again, that's all we got to do. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And I bring that to you because some of us are disconnected from the vine. We just hanging by bark. Conflicted Christians, missing opportunities. We're not getting fed the full nourishment so that we can grow and so that we can connect to the vine and we can bear fruit. So again, if you're conflicted, if you're just hanging by bark, you need to get that full connection with Jesus so you can get that life flowing through you so that you can be a good Christian, so you can help folks to grow. Amen? So again, I ask us, how can we witness when we are actually the stumbling block due to our lukewarm actions? How can we overcome temporary insanity? And how can we remove the conflict of, of our Christianity and regain controls of our lives? And how can we learn to bridle our tongues so that we can encourage and not discourage? How can we use the Word of God for our personal growth in a manner that extends the hand of God to the non-believer? See, when I'm growing, I'm going to be a whole lot better friend to you than I can if I ain't. If I'm growing, I'm going to have more understanding of your situation and what you're going through. If I'm growing, the Lord is going to work with me to say, tell me what I need to say to encourage you, to drop by to see you. Remember all those things that I mentioned, if we're not doing, we're a Christian in conflict, all those things that we'll begin to act on because Jesus is powering me. He's moving me because 
I don't want anyone to be lost just like Jesus didn't want me to be lost. Amen? We reach out. We handle things. The lead, the, how, so again, how do we reach out and help the believer who is facing trials, facing temptations, or they're in the valley of decision? That's the scariest part, is to turn off somebody who's in the valley of decision, making that decision to come to Christ, and I done said something crazy. And they'd be like, uh, if that's what it's about, I, ain't, I don't even want to deal with this. And I done heard that from people who were almost there, and somebody did something to them. And they, they didn't just leave, and I'm not saying, I mean, it has happened here, but it happens in every church. But it's interesting, they don't just leave. For me, I'd leave, if it happened here, I'd leave Elmhurst. I'd go somewhere else. But when they do it, they leave 100%, they done. And therefore, who, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to you if you put that light out? See, that's what I'm afraid of. I don't want to be the one that puts somebody's light out. I want to be someone who helps somebody's candle to get blazing hot, to make sure their lamp is filled with oil. That's what I'm supposed to do. So again, we don't want to mess up anybody in that valley of decision. So therefore, you need to think. You need to let the Holy Spirit power your tongue so you say the right things, because we don't know what they're going through. How can we allow Christ to use us? And it's simple, by telling that old, old story of his redemptive power and what he did for me. Amen? To give those testimonies you heard in here and other places to let them know that Jesus is still on the throne and he's still working miracles. All you got to do is call on him. How can we remember our own past? Or how come we can't remember our own past when others were working with us? Amen? Everybody's been working with here. We got to remember that when we're striking out for other people, we need to show them the love of God. Amen? So we, rem we need to remember the mercy and the grace and the time and the love that they gave us to nurture us to where we arrived at the place we are today. How can we provide a shelter in a time of storm for others who are looking for a quiet place? I just keep continuing to ask, how can we do it? How can we do it? How can we do it? When I turn to Psalms 57, I look at these 11 verses. And this is all we need to do. Again, this NIV, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for my hope of my soul is in you. I will keep myself safely under the shades of your wings. These troubles will pass. I will send up my cry to the most high God, to God who does all things for me. He will send from heaven and take me from the power of him whose desire it is to destroy me for my destruction. God will send out his mercy and his good faith. When you're going through things and you know Satan is attacking you, you need to remember these scriptures. He will send from heaven and, and take me and give me the power to keep me from destruction. My soul is among lions. People down here is crazy, ain't they? They're like lions. I'm stretched out among those who are on fire. Even the sons of men, those teeth are spears and arrows and whose tongue is a sharp sword. O oh God, be lifted up higher than heaven. Let your glory be over all this earth. They have made ready for a net for my steps. My soul is bent down. They have made a great hole before me, and I have gone down into it themselves. They have gone down into it themselves. My heart is fixed, O oh God. My heart is fixed. I will make songs and give you praises. You are my glory. Let the instruments of music be awake. I myself will be awakened with the dawn. I will give you praise, O Lord, among the people. I will make songs to you among the nations. 
For your mercy is great, stretching up to the heavens, and your righteousness comes, goes up to the clouds. Be lifted up, O God, higher than heavens. Let your glory be over all this earth. And then I just say, and let the Lord, uh, let the Lord of his glory be within you so that each one of us may be able to grow and to be able to not miss opportunities. Church, again, we can no longer be conflicted. We can no longer be a broken navigation system. We can no longer allow our own personal issues to get in the way of God's work. We need to allow him to come into our heart and fix us so that we do not miss opportunities. We cannot fear stepping out in faith to meet somebody, to talk with somebody, to give them our testimony. Because pastors, elders, we can't do it. It takes every one of us in this church. They said it in the past, it takes a village to make it happen. This is a village of Christians throughout the universe of this world. Many people are out there going through problems and sorrow and pain. We need to step up and just give them what we have. We have the remedy to every problem. It's called Jesus. All they need to do once they meet him, they connect with him. The next thing you know, their life has changed, just like your life has been changed. So I just ask us that we no longer miss these opportunities, that we study to show thyself approved and be bold for Christ. Cry loud. You have the three angels' message. You remember that, don't you? If you don't remember it, then we need to go back and study that. We have the three cry loud and spare not. So church, I just ask that we do what we're supposed to do as Christians. Amen? Quit being a roadblock. Don't miss an opportunity. Continue to praise him in all things that you do. And if you do that, the Lord is going to bless. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.